issue for all women. Ahoy there, listeners. It's Jen here to tell you about this week's podcast. And you may rejoice, for it is Gigcast Week. This month, me, Hannah and Mick are having a bloody lovely chat with comedian Laura Lex and presenter and author Janet Ellis. We talked about finding the peril in all things, but doing them anyway. The joy and revelation of napping, Goldie the dog and indeed Goldie the musician and the importance of the night stallman. And you're probably going to have to keep listening if you want to know what that means. We recorded this last summer at the Stand Comedy Club in Edinburgh during the Fringe. Some of our Farage bants might be a little bit out of date now, but then so are most things Farage says, to be fair. Our next gig is on March the 29th and is part of the Birmingham Podfest. So, as the name would suggest, it's in Birmingham. We'll be joined by bloody excellent actor and writer Helen Monks, comedy legend Janice Connolly, a.k.a. Mrs. Barbara Nice, and our very own flipping boss, Sarah Millican. Check out our website, standardissuepodcast.com, for info on all of our gigs, including where you can buy tickets. Thanks to The Stand, as ever, for having us, to Emma Caution for all things tech, and to the excellent guests, Laura and Janet. Get us, and indeed them, right in your ears. Welcome to The Standard Issue Podcast. I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I am one quarter of the Standard Issue team. I'm going with a fun fact about this T-shirt. This is a photograph. Well, this is a T-shirt. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg on it. My mum buys me a lot of clothes, and I don't like any of them. And I got to a point where I started to say to her, can you stop spending your pension on clothes for me that I never wear? And she got really offended and upset by it. I thought, Janet's looking at me like I've been really mean to my mum. <laughs> Which I have. And, um, and then one day she said, I've bought you a T-shirt. And it was this. And I said, oh, actually, I really like that. And she said, good, that's the last thing I ever buy you. <laughs> Go, Mary. She won, she won that round. She did. Yeah. Laura. Yes. Off you go. My fun fact... I'm Laura Lex, oh, and I'm yeah. a comedian. Hello. <laughs> oh, God, this festival is three weeks too long. Um, I'm Laura Lex, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Now a fun fact. Now a fun fact. Now a fun fact. Um, my mother's gone to Sri Lanka to meet some long-lost family, which we're sort of saying long-lost, um, but, uh, well, that we know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're in Sri Lanka. <laughs> She's gone to see them. She doesn't buy me clothes. She doesn't really buy me anything. She gives me gift vouchers because we are not tight. <laughs> <laughs> Jen? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Jen Offord. I am also a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team. And the kettle in our Airbnb is giving me casualty levels of anxiety. <laughs> the it, jeopardy. It is like the opening of an mm. episode of Casualty. How will it kill us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's there, there's water everywhere, there's electricity. What's going to happen? Who's going to die? It's, the camera's panned in on each and every one of us on separate occasions. <laughs> Hannah's walking down the stairs, could end there. Could that, could, that could be it. Jen's filling the kettle. There's no lid on it properly. There's, there's no handle. There's a lot of leakage. It's, it's, it's like a little teapot, like they get, used to get in a little chef, as in you pour it out and 75% of it ends up somewhere yeah. else <laughs> other than the cup. Yeah, yeah. Janet? I'm Janet Ellis. Actually, I want to know more about the kettle. Yeah. How, long, how long have you been living with this kettle? Just two days. Right. It's enough. Yeah. yeah. 
but this is a handle-free, dodgy plug, dodgy flex kettle. It's yeah. with water issues. Yeah. It's not keen on keeping water in it. I just, yeah. I just see danger everywhere, though, don't you? I just, I just have that predilection, and I've had it all my life that I cannot actually go anywhere or do anything without anticipating a terrible accident. She I, keeps looking at me. I'm, I'm including you in the conversation. That's all because I don't know. It's just it gets worse as you get older. But definitely now, you know, I hear the weather forecast and it says you know it's going to be stormy tomorrow, and I think <gasps> scaffolding, and then I have to message, <laughs> I have to message all my family really and say avoid high things, buildings, avoid trees, obviously, because, you know, they can fall down on you, and generally, don't go out. And now I know that you have to worry about kettles as well, so don't stay in. Janet, <laughs> Janet, do you have a little bit of rubber attached to your car in case there's lining? <laughs> I, I drive a car, it's I, dangerous. I got the iron out. I had the iron out yesterday, and I was like, because I actually had to iron clothes dry, because it was the only option that I had. Okay. And I, just I know, it's literally the first time I've ironed in about 15 years, and that was also two iron clothes dry. Um, but I was treating it like I was like, everyone, I've plugged the iron in, it's hot, like, don't go near it. Yeah. She texted me, I wasn't even in the house. <laughs> that speaks to my heart, that's definitely it, yeah. Everything sharp, high up, low down, dangerous, water-filled, possible electricity issues, everything is dangerous. Everything. Is that your fun fact? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a walking hazard sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Mickey Noonan I am also a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team and I am wearing dungarees and I really love my dungarees but they are becoming a liability when I go to the toilet do not sniff my strap oh. <laughs> I know you wanted to good advice in life anyway isn't it yeah don't, don't sniff straps also Janet and I are starting some sort of um, like engineering company yeah yeah. Maria plumbers. Are we plumbers? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds dangerous. I'm not, I'm not sure we're up for it. Yeah, health and safety go mad. Can we call it that? Are you health and I'm safety? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous turning into our next year's show. Yeah, Hannah, do you have a question? I do. Um, last night when we were talking about what questions we were going to ask, I told a story about how I remembered you having a baby on Blue Peter and then I googled it and it wasn't you that I remembered it was somebody yeah, else I know. so I just wondered what's my question for both of you is what's what is the biggest wrong assumption that people make about you let's start with Janet oh, I've got there are plenty of course um yeah I think for for Blue Peter presenters um it's a bit like Doctor Who's in that we kind of all morph together eventually. You know, they used to do that. I don't know if they still do, but they used to do a sort of face swap when the Doctor Who transitioned from, I don't know, Sylvester McCoy to Peter Davis, that kind of thing. And I think it's the same with Blue Peter presenters, is that we're kind of all, you know, you the one that was pregnant, that was Tina. Um, and you, oh, yes, you had your... Uh, Sophie was... No, Sophie was four already when I joined the programme, but I left her. Oh, that's when you were sacked. No. <laughs> I had, uh, yeah, I had a baby. It wouldn't have been a great program to do with a tiny baby. I already had a child, so there's plenty actually. And I think, in some ways, some of them I don't mind because I quite like being rediscovered. You know, they assume that you only do one thing and then you end up doing something else. I'm cool with that. But yeah, you do have to spend a lot of time going. No, 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 that was Sarah. No, no, that was actually Val. But, yeah. They're lovely women. They're lovely women. They just didn't live my life. <laughs> that morphing thing. It's you, like Blue Peter presenters, Doctor Who, and Brexit secretaries. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's working. Oh no, that's oh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, 
I have like, to say, also, Janet told a story just backstage that involved Goldie, and I felt the need to classify whether it was, or clarify whether it was Goldie, the musician, or Goldie, the dog. It turned out to be Goldie, the musician, which yeah. was quite surprising. Surprising, yeah. yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that, because Goldie, the dog, is... He's living on a farm. No. <laughs> <laughs> she? She's no, living on a farm. No, Goldie, Goldie. In fact, Goldie went off in retirement to live on Simon Groom's farm, yeah. The musician? I'm, uh, I'm confused. And is still <laughs> alive <laughs> and well. He's best mates with Les Dennis. The musician. Not Les Dennis, the musician. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were on Celebrity Big Brother, I think, together, and they just really got on. Okay, yeah. Good. Did you get on with Goldie? Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's really interesting. He's just, yeah, I mean, obviously what he does is interesting, but he's very layered in his attitude to life and things. And on we met on Come Down With Me, Fact Fans, and it was me, um, Tony Christie, Susie Amy, and we all boringly got on. Because ideally you don't, you know, yeah. ideally you have a meal together and then you all go off into the room and go, ah, oh my God, the food was disgusting and she's horrible. But actually we all kind of unlikely combination of people, but we did get on. He was, yeah, he was a really interesting guy. And does Goldie do tricks for biscuits? Wow. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Laura? Um, I suppose the one I get dealt like I deal with the most is people assume I'm a lesbian because of my hair. I, I get that shouted at me a lot on stage. Sort of, I just think I mean, just, I don't find it an insult or uh, you know, what I mean, it's one of those ones where they think that they're getting you, and you go, no, just factually incorrect. I don't know what to. Just feel like it must be exhausting to have to shout that at everybody that looks like they wouldn't sleep with you. Just, <laughs> <laughs> a horse by the end of the day I, I think it is that thing isn't it it's like she looks confident and has done her hair how she feels like it like I must clarify why she would not be my conquest and you go no it's just my choice <laughs> it's really odd I think that's the biggest one I don't know I am one of four siblings so I constantly answer to any of their names which feels like being a blue beauty presenter they go Sarah Laura Megan Fred which one are you and you go ah oh, yeah which one of those that'll do well yeah I've got three kids and I call them all by the wrong yeah. names including we've got a dog called Angela which could easily double up as a children <laughs> plus five grandchildren so yeah I just call them all darling <laughs> Mick uh, that I'm a man because um, I'm called Mickey and it blows people's minds and people would always phone I used to work for Metro and people would phone up and go can I speak to Mickey Noonan please and I'd be like yes hello and they were like they'd, oh oh alright are you sure <laughs> <laughs> yes I am <laughs> uh, yeah they always thought I was a bloke and I'm, I'm not I'm not a man what's it short for Michaela oh. yeah but only if you cross with me Janet and you might be, and I might quite like it. Keep that one in reserve. Jen? I think quite a lot of people think I'm gay as well because I don't have a boyfriend and I talk about sport. But um, also, either that I do know about football or I don't know about football, depending on what they're asking me about. So sometimes, though, men will assume, predominantly men will assume that I don't know about football. I sort of do. But then they'll get to that and then they'll ask me something quite technical and I'll go, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Hannah, what about you? Yeah, also that I'm a lesbian, actually. That seems quite quite common. And you're sometimes in that difficult position where you say, no, I'm not. And you think, actually, for you, 
I might, yeah. I might be in that sense. It maybe it's just easier for you to continue under that illusion rather than this com- conversation yeah. continue. But yeah, you know, woman with opinions and no husband. That's suspicious. My granddad certainly thought that was suspicious. Yeah. It's the only possible explanation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, people think I'm nice. Not most of the time. <laughs> people tell me their problems and they think I might give good advice and I generally go, have you tried talking to somebody else about this? <laughs> Which is excellent advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I need to know how Janet's feeling about Hannah on that stool, because that's like an open, opening of the episode of Casualty as well. You're rocking about. I'm not. I'm quite solid. I think. Uh, no, don't say that, because I'll just go off the side <laughs> of the stage. The very first time I was in Edinburgh, I did um, So You Think You're Funny. It was about 15 years ago. I was in the final of So You Think You're Funny, and I fell onto the stage. I literally just hands, like, slapped onto the, uh-huh. yeah, onto the stage. Yeah. What an entry. But the final of So You Think You're Funny. Didn't win, though. <laughs> Mate, I didn't make it past the first heat. I, I compared the semi-final last night. There's all these like lovely new comedians sitting around like, we've got to get through this. And I sort of sat there going like, dudes, I crashed out after like four minutes of being in this competition and I still have a career ten years later. So yeah, well, look do what not your comedy career is and my comedy <laughs> career is. And you kind of think they put the wrong people in the final, but... Just, you it. just have to be belligerent. I think that's all it is. You just just keep going. And every time somebody says stop, go, no, I'll just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> also, 15 years ago, you just had to have balls. Mm, like, yeah. literally balls. Mine are just sort of less <laughs> firm and further up. <laughs> I just grabbed my breasts, listener. That's what happened in that gap. Oh, listener, harsh, listeners. <laughs> 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 you always broadcast is that you're talking to one person. That's what you mean, isn't it? Yeah, That's I'm a professional not. like Janet. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think they're both going to be cross with me. I like it. <laughs> Jen, do you have a question? I do. Um, so, Laura, your show, Knee Jerk, is sort of kind of about making the world a better place, sort of indirectly. Yeah. Let's run with that. Indirectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I would like to know um, if you could be Prime Minister for one day which one policy would you introduce and I'm going to start with you Laura oh for one day and that and this you, policy is going to last after ever, me until some idiot does something different with it Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I'm going to regret my answer to this, whatever it turns out to be. I'll really spend the next two weeks thinking of better ones. Um, I'm torn between something that would like build basic respect for each other back into our day-to-day lives or something environmental, because I sort of feel like the environment's the main one. Um, I think I would build a policy where whoever creates the thing, the packaging, the item, is responsible for disposing of it. There we go. Because I I, I sort of feel like I have this, like, huge environmental guilt and I try and cope with it. And I think a lot of us feel like this hypocrisy, like, oh, what's the point of doing any of it if we can't do all of it? But obviously, you've got to buy food. You can't not eat. And it's all very well to be like, oh, take separate Hessian bags for each grape and do that and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But who's got time? If you've got kids or a dog or any, like, a life, you haven't got time to be perfect. So I think it should be 
understanding that we've got to live lives and the people whose sole job it is to provide us with these things because we live in capitalism and we can't have a tiny farm to live on in peace. That would be a nice one. Anyway, um, uh, that, that it should be their responsibility to deal with the mess instead of looking at us as consumers and going, you're assholes. It's, it's them. That attitude is of what you just said about how, you know, well, what's the point if other people are doing it? That's so infuriating. I don't know if anyone mm. saw Farage gave a speech yesterday where he was talking about Prince Harry and, like, why would you only have two kids when, like, the Chinese are having 2.7 billion? And you're like, that's the same argument that says Fred West isn't as bad as Pol Pot. It's like, well, you know, he killed fucking millions. Like, I'm all right. I only did 12 or something. It's And he, and he tidied up after himself. Yeah. <laughs> That, that must infuriate you as a yeah. sort of environmental activist. Well, I think it's, it's designed to sort of terrify us into a stupor, isn't it? So that we just stand in the middle quivering like a herd. Whereas it, I, I, I think like if we can get over the fact that we're not perfect, I think well, that's what I find really difficult at the moment is that people like Farage are so influential and then that gives a green light to other people to speak to each other in this way and go, well, if you can't do this, then you do this. Like, well, you're a feminist, but you've got lipstick on. You do this, you do that. And you kind of go, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm terrible at loads of things, but it's not going to stop me trying and doing the little things. And then you end up in a situation, I think that we're edging into now where even people that would love to go and try and be better are now not speaking out and trying because they're afraid of being hit by both sides for doing it not quite perfectly but also having the opinion that differs to the other side of the argument and we're just in paralysis and that is what the people in power at the moment want. Look at the paralysis that came after Mretnit. That... Um, <laughs> I try not to swear. <laughs> um, but like where, you know, we're screaming at each other. You've got this country versus city divide. You've got like a class divide that's wider than ever. And while we've been baying at each other on social media and being very furious with each other, Brexit Party was the second highest voted one. And Johnson is the prime minister who led the Leave campaign. Well, Vote Laura Lex, people. <laughs> <laughs> Cynicism, isn't there, coupled with a terrible individual responsibility that you feel, as you say, that you should be taking to look after yourself, to use the right light bulbs, to generally be kind to each other and the planet. But it is not reflected at the top. Mm -hmm. So you will see businesses absolutely actively creating the way they can save their money by not paying proper taxes. And you will see that filtering right through. So the ludicrous nature of being in the city at night where office buildings have all their lights. <laughs> and I think, I've just changed my light bulb. Yeah. proper about the world. And I think that terrible divide between making us feel tiny and responsible allows, in a weird way, the top group to get away with yeah. what they're getting away with because they can always turn around and say, well, it was you. I blame you. Yeah. But actually, it's a really ugly attitude. I think you're right. Janet Ellis for Home Secretary. <laughs> I sort of, it's the one time though where I take a little bit of comfort in capitalism because I think the best thing I can do is to put my disposable income in in the place I want to push forward and then look at the sea change in terms of the environment since it became financially viable to be green. And as long as business is behind it, change will happen. So I kind of, it's the one thing where I kind of go, money will save us. It's just I spend my money now on the things that, encompass the ethos that I want. So Janet, what would your policy be? Uh, mine would be um, abolishing extendable dog leads. <laughs> <laughs>
It's a real mixed message to your dog. A dog is either on a lead or it's not. They're not semi on a lead. So it's, it's really puzzling. Plus, they tend to go across the path and then you fall over them and, you know, commit. Have a short dog lead for when you need your dog to be by your side and then let it off the lead. The extendable dog lead is a really odd. It's true, isn't it? Nobody would have Exactly. I want to be in your cabinet. Can I be like minister for chocky wocky pud pud or something? Well, Mick, you are in Janet's cabinet. Okay. What policy would you introduce? I am going to have free, safe, legal abortion for all that comes under healthcare, not the Criminal Act. Solid response, Hannah. Okay, I'm going to pitch for education, and this again may be controversial, but I would ban private schools. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Equal opportunity for everybody, not because somebody you went to school with's dad works in this big company and Absolutely, that stuff. Absolutely, but you've got to pay teachers more. And uh, you've well, they... really got to pay teachers more. And Agreed. you've then got to attract people into the teaching profession so that it is like it used to be. And in the olden days, it was like <coughs> being a doctor. You know, you had real standing in the community. It was really important. Everybody felt it was a great job. Now people kind of go, oh, you get the long holidays then. You know, it's a really... It's a really difficult profession to be in and I think you're right education is the most valuable thing of all it's the most valuable thing that we can mm. possibly invest in because that's the gateway to absolutely everything else so it feels like we've got to find the balance doesn't it because like you look back and you think teachers used to have it a lot better but the children were sad <laughs> oh the te- they used to hit them a lot oh no wonder the teachers were happy whereas <laughs> Now, we've sort of swung the other way, where it's all about pupil, you know, enhancement, and we'll cut the money out of it, but we will make the pupils happier, but the teachers are just on their knees, and having the rug pulled out from under them, we've got to maybe find the middle, like, go go sort of find the happy medium, where we hit them once, but the <laughs> teachers get a bit more. I do not endorse hitting children, by the way, that was a... You're like one hit in your career. Like, like Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, like a... <laughs> well, I didn't... So, uh, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> but then it would be like, there's a sort of swearing rotor, isn't there, on the BBC, where you have to fill in a form and say how many times you're going to say bugger or something. So it would be like that. Yeah. It would be like your allowance. And you'd have to really use it. Right? Yeah. And you can't pick which one it's going to be. No. Uh, child. <laughs> hang, hang on, the BBC make you predict when you might swear and how many times? If you've got a comedy script, yeah, you have to you have to run it through a sort of swearometer and you're only allowed a certain, truly. A certain oh, that's like... The, we would be the, fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we, would, we would absolutely be fucked. It's a bit like the nipple count for men's magazines. When I used to work for Lads mugs. Oh yeah. Um, they used to. We used to have to count how many nipples are on show because if you have too many nipples, it goes up a shelf. Oh, the nipple count sounds like a muppet, doesn't it? Phenomena. Nipple count. One. Jen, what policy are you bringing in? I think this is a vote winner. I think that every ten years. Everyone should get, not at the same time, because that would be a logistical nightmare, but um, once every 10 years, everyone should get an entire year off work on their existing salary. I think we'd be way more productive 
and people would get to do nice things and we'd all be less angry. That's what I think. I think, I think we now work under Victorian rules. The whole way we work was invented really recently. The sort of nine to five commuting to work. That is, you can look back in history to a time when that simply didn't happen, when you kind of always lived next door to where you worked, usually right on it, usually with a spade in your hand. But we, we have this weird thing now where we, we still comply with that, and it, it suits so few people. Mm. It certainly doesn't suit anyone with childcare issues. So the idea of having, you know, a flexible working arrangement, you know, sharing jobs and actually not having to be in an office at a particular time, which is, like I say, based on something so outmoded that it is weird how tolerant we are of it. Yeah. I remember that blowing my mind when I found out that pre-industrial revolution, we didn't sleep for eight hours in a chunk, that it was asleep and then you'd wake up and get on with stuff for a couple of hours and then go back to bed and they referred to it as second sleep and that just blew my mind you know one of those ones where you go oh nothing is how I thought it was it's so exciting to just go oh you could just break all the rules yeah and an afternoon rest that's the best Oh, I love an afternoon rest. So I bloody love a nap. Yeah, seriously, I quite often just send an email saying, um, I'm, I'm, I used to pretend I was going to like buy milk or something, but now I'm like, I'm just napping. I'm just full on napping. I wish I could nap. I'd love to be able to nap. I just full on sleep. Yeah. I don't, want, I don't like a nap. It makes me angry. I have to have a sleep. You have to set your alarm. It's an unkind fact that you do. If you sleep longer than 20 minutes, it's like jet lag. But do you yeah. count that from when you lay down? Because I can, like, it takes yeah. me a while to fall asleep, so I don't know how long to set the alarm for. Can you just switch off? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Do you reckon that's from years of sort of having schedule, like TV schedule, where you kind of got to... I think it's probably just greed. <laughs> Prioritising myself. So, um, as well as being an absolutely ace napper, I would like to know (laughs) what is your proudest achievement? I I, I guess, I guess that it's that I stayed scared and done stuff anyway. Because as is fairly obvious, I've had no career plan. Uh, you know, I started off doing one thing and then I've sort of, I've just said yes to things basically, that's what I've based an entire career on. But a lot of the things I've done, I've been really scared of doing and I'm quite proud of when I get the other side of them. And yes, they were frightening, but I did them. And also really proud of that I'm not biting my nails anymore because I've been it, so that's a good thing. That is good. They're not great, but you know, they're better than they were. So okay. You know. They're really good. Do That's you find, because I bit my nails for years, and I've got this thing on my nose now because I'm a, not, it's not a spot, but I did actually like just like scratch myself. I, I'm not used to having nails, and I keep like doing that with my hair. And just like, I've had to cut them short again because That's I keep scratching myself. Nice. Yeah. Well, I've got to cut my nails. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, more than the nail stuff, it is it is doing stuff that frightens me still. Because I think you can, especially as you get older, get to a point where you just think, it'll be okay if I just keep on like this. And then every so often something comes along and you think, ah, I'm going to do it. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. So what's the most recent thing that you've done that you were a bit shitting yourself about? Well, it'll sound a bit like I led up to this all along in that intro, but actually it's writing. It's writing because I was really frightened of it for years, obviously for years, because it took me that long to do it. But I was really nervous. So did you write your first book four years ago? Three. Yeah, three it was three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So about that time. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what helped you get over that fear and just start writing? Well, for a start, I'd been saying to people, mostly my close family and my friends, that I wanted to write. And they'd gone past going, oh, yeah, 
great to a kind of ennui, as I think you can tell it, which is, which is a kind word for boredom beyond bored. You know, it's all for God's sake, not this conversation yet. But um, I, I don't know, it was like a, a fragrantly like lancing a boil. I just, I mean, had to do it. But also that involved putting stuff in front of other people. And I still find the audacity of that quite extraordinary because basically, you know, most things have been written about now. Most things have, or a way of describing them. So you're kind of going, I know, I know, I know, but I want you to tell you how it is for me. And then you write it down, and not only do you write it down, but you say, would you have a look? And read it. Um, I went on a very brief writing course. Um, it was only one evening a week for three months, but it absolutely was the last link in the chain for me. And that was because I was looking at other people's stuff. I could so clearly see how they might improve or just, just make different their work. And I thought... That's what I need to be. I need to be my own editor. My uh -huh. own editor is quite harsh. So, it, yeah, it really was. It was really scary, but it was absolutely necessary. Well done. Keep, keep doing it. <laughs> it's good. Laura, what about you? What's your proudest achievement? Um, so far? Yeah, I can't decide. Uh, I think... I'm half tempted to say my marriage because I'm really difficult to be around. <laughs> and um, I think I, I, I'm really proud of us for being fun together and I love him. But I think maybe at the moment I feel most proud of having done Live at the Apollo. I think, um, no offence Tom, I do love you babe, but uh, I have, the, I, like everyone has it, but I have that real um, anxiety that, that, somebody made a mistake by letting me carry on and every time I turn up to a gig I'm like oh I'm probably the shittest person here but then in Apollo I got to sort of prove myself amongst the, the big players and I still did it really well and um yeah see I'm crying now I feel really proud of myself for that What you should be really proud of is the fact you're proud of it. Yeah. Because there is a tendency, isn't there? Somebody says, oh, that's great. And you kind of go and start, no, it's honestly, it's really yeah. not. But the fact you said, I was there and I was great, I think is amazing. Amazing. It's hard to do that, isn't it? I, re I like what you just said, actually. I started welling up when you said, do scared of stuff and you do it anyway. That's exactly how I feel about my life. Like, yeah. terrified of everything. And then I'll always do it twice just to check. Yeah. If I hated it the first time, I'll do it once more. <laughs> just... Yeah. just Booked another like tour of Dubai just to check that I really hated Dubai because I think I did. <laughs> I've just got to do it once more. I have to say, your bit that you have on netball and why the rules of netball suck <laughs> is probably the funniest bit of stand-up I've seen in years and years and years. Thank I was literally you. just roaring, laughing at it. <laughs> Do you know what's really funny, actually? This will go out once the Edinburgh Festival's finished, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, cool, right. So, I, uh, <laughs> I do. I have a big bit at the end of this show that I'm doing this year all about netball. And the point of the bit is that uh, I'm looking for the beginning of... Um, of where women start getting shat upon from a great height, right? So, uh, um, 
and uh, and then and the point of the bit is at four years old they sort of separate the, the boys and the girls out and the boys get taught football which is just this amazing opportunity for social lubricant and jobs beyond belief you know and the girls get taught netball and then I break all the rules down and blah 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 and I sort of run this whole silly sketch through of the teacher kind of adding all these rules that just you know you can't go within a meter of each other please feel isolated for your entire career like you know you can't run with the ball it would be good if you guys were stationary so we can get you pregnant easier like that kind of like it's ludicrous and it's all this like building up and building up and building up and and then they're sort of going like you know and I got reviewed and the reviewer just said um the 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 set piece on netball is a bit alienating if you weren't taught netball (laughs) netball is alienating like that's oh my lord you know when you steam coming out of your ears were they they a person that was taught football by any chance Really? Yeah, was a woman. And I just thought, that's the point of the bit, my darling, that we feel isolated from community, like the World Cup comes along and I'm desperate to join in and have fun, but I've got no passionate connection to this game and I don't know it and I'd love to. Oh my God, just, you know, you go, thank God audiences are cleverer. If you said the cross, I would have understood. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know what goes on. Is that the one with the funny, like, baggy yeah. racket? Yeah, the funny baggy racket. Look at that baggy racket. Yeah. Isn't that just sport generally for women? I mean, I'd never, I never met a nice games teacher. I just didn't meet a nice games teacher. And I wasn't, I wasn't confident about it at all. So I would say I didn't enjoy games at school because it seemed to me for somebody else. It seemed to me for people who could already do it because it's not an exam subject. So they don't have to get you up to any level. So they pretty much decide at the beginning of the term, you, 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 yes, you go and play round it. You know, and it's just, and I, and I had a brief moment at school of actually thinking, I want to feel more active. I mean, my teenage self would be kind of impressed and appalled at how much more active I am now than I was then. But I had a brief moment of thinking, I would actually, I would quite like to, yeah. And I went up to this drones teacher and said to her, you know, I'm, I kind of want to try out for the netball team. And she laughed. And she laughed oh. at me. Because she's allowed to, because it wasn't O-levels, you know. So she didn't have to go, well, all right, we'll get you up to a B grade. You know, they could just ignore anyone who couldn't already do it. And I think it still goes. I do think it still goes. I mean, I was only in the netball team because I'm lanky. <laughs> There's no discernible skill there at all. It was just that I could, like, get yeah. the board, just do that. See, that's what I think is beautiful about football, and bless you, why football <laughs> could be taught to... to because football seems... I mean, I'm not an expert, Jen. You look like an expert. Mm. <laughs> I think you should say that. <laughs> football just seems to suit loads of different body types, like tall, short, really well-built, really flighty and small. So it just seems like the perfect thing to just teach everybody. Well, and it's changing. It is, yeah. The situation is definitely changing slowly. But yeah, like I do think there are lots of positive signs yeah. on the horizon. And the Netball World Cup this year was incredible. Like the, looking at the coverage of that, it's really starting to creep so into mainstream that television. That look like netball. It's like 40 goals a game, aren't they? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Well, it's apparently phenomenal. they, and I, I don't know, I'm not the biggest expert on this year, but they have changed, tweaked the rules ever so slightly, my friend was telling me. So some of the stuff that I remember being taught at school, like you have to be a metre apart from each other and you, you know, you can't go, like even brush skin without that being contact, all that. 
that that seems to have gone a little bit and I think it is a little bit more contact now which is great so much better for a sport to be fun and interesting. I think also people are getting paid to do it now so that's their job so they get to be good at it so when you watch it it looks completely different to women's sport that you might have watched even 10 years ago yeah because they actually get to train professionally yeah. they don't have to then go and be like an accountant because yeah like, someone was saying i think like the county netball teams or the and somebody will be able to correct me when and and but i think it was something like a t- there was funding was 75 grand a team which how could anybody live on you know what's that seven players a team plus everything else you need so what you're going to get eight to nine thousand like you look at what football can earn so you think right we need to get the sponsors in we need to get the money in there because you can't just conjure money from nothing there's no magic monetary unless the bus has promised you one um so like but you've got to get the sponsors and get it exciting get it interesting and it feels like the grassroots of that are starting to happen now which is so exciting it just opens so many opportunities i think yeah that isn't yeah. me uh, is it me? Is it my question? Uh, I'm going to ask you what your proudest achievement is. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, given my family history, just being here, like <laughs> alive at the age I am, is is a fair achievement. Um, Very good. Yeah, standard issue. I, I'm quite proud of. I also get ridiculously overexcited when somebody I respect follows me on Twitter. <laughs> like seriously, I'm just like, oh my god, everybody, shut up talking about your babies. Sharon Horgan follows me on Twitter. Didn't you? Didn't you phone your brother at two a.m. when Mike Judge started yeah. following you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, Oh, I'm sorry, I have to bring it back to football again. Um, This is a bit stupid, really. Uh, So, now this makes me sound flash, but really I'm not because it's Charlton Athletic, guys. They're really shit. Uh, This year I bought my brother a season ticket for Charlton Athletic. That is probably about as proud as I felt in a really long time. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, I am proud, a bit like Janet's answer, my proudest achievement is I've kept going. I suffer quite badly from depression and it's been up and down in my life since I was about, ooh, probably about five. And yeah, I just keep going and even when I'm like crying, I will still find time to make people laugh and have a giggle and I'm pretty proud about that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Thanks. Also, a little tip for if you are crying and you want to stop and you just don't know how to, if you lie on your bedroom floor and put your legs your feet on your bed and then just do a fake laugh like really loud it is the most hilarious sound and while you're crying as well and laughing with your feet upside down it will start to make you uh, honk with laughter (laughs) and probably stop you getting varicose veins it's a double win All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, in it? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. 
And as quick a fix as it seemed to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. Yes, my question. Okay, I would like to know what the best advice you've ever been given is. I'm going to start with Laura. Is it lie on your bedroom floor yeah. <laughs> with your feet in the air? Is it, have you tried asking somebody else? Oh, I think um, Mick Ferry, who is a really great comic and lovely, lovely bloke, he once said to me, I just died on my ass. Like, I died so badly at a club in Camden. Horrible tumbleweed and booing and, like, oh, awful. And I was the open spot. I was, like, the not-being-paid newbie middle person in the gig. And um, and I went back to the green room, and I was just felt like I'd been hollowed out. And Mick Ferry said, well, you went out there being the open spot, didn't you? Like, you have to go out. They don't know that you're not being paid. They don't know that you're new. They don't know how short a set you're going to do. They just think you're a professional comic on a bill because you just look like everybody else. So go out and be that. And then they'll make their own minds up based on what you do. But if you take out your insecurities with... Well, he didn't say that, but that's you know what I could hear him saying. <laughs> but he, he, sort of, he just said they don't know you're the open spot. So don't be the open spot. And that was really good advice, I think, for comedy, but also just like... Project, project, project for however long you need and then fall apart quietly on your own afterwards. But, like, go out and, like, I get really jealous and I see other people that I think, like, I've got as much talent as you. Why are you getting that? And then you see, because you swanned into a room like you deserved it. I've got to start swanning. And so, <laughs> since then, I've tried to swan a bit more. That's the thing about swans, though. They look really elegant, but they're paddling like fuck yeah. on the surface. <laughs> That's how swans paddle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Janet? The thing about advice is that normally when you're getting it is when you don't really want to hear it. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> don't go out with him and uh, stuff like that. Um, so I suppose the, the, the most consistent advice was probably from my mum when I was little about being true to yourself, which, is, which sounds really trite. And I used to carry a little autograph book. And this autograph book was only filled with the names of my friends because I've always thought it's a bit 
going up to famous people and asking for their signature, because what does that mean? You had the same air for a moment, you know. Those, but my friends I was with all the time, so if I got their signature, it was really meaningful. And my mother wrote that um, Shakespeare quote about this above all, to your, thine own self be true. And I thought, that's really woof. Everybody else is writing limericks. But actually, over the years, you realise that I've tried not to take that advice a lot. You know, I've always gone into situations thinking, who do I need to be in this situation? Who should I be today? And and I've chosen careers along the way where the first thing that people say to you when you say what you want to do is not, oh my goodness, great, another vet. They go, actress, well, everybody's out of work, or writer, have <laughs> you seen how many books don't get published? And I thought, you have to stay true to yourself to think, I'm going to be the one who makes it. I'm going to, I know the percentages, you're going to tell me the percentages, but I'm going to be the one, but I can only do it as me because that's the only way I can remember it now. <laughs> I've got very good memory. But it was adapting myself so that I didn't keep thinking, who do I need to be to be who I want to be today? And it, like I say, vice plays out long time, I think. You know, you don't get it normally and think, great, tomorrow is going to be different. It has to really percolate. So you've got 60 plus years of percolation right now. <laughs> she smells like coffee. <laughs> Not like your strap. Don't sniff my strap. That is the best advice any of you have had today. Stay away from my strap. Jen? Um, I've actually got two. First of all, don't shit where you eat. You can apply that to loads of different things, and I think <laughs> it's wise. Um, but also, <laughs> no one... So I think we go around being so concerned about other people judging us. So like sport, for example, women, like, I don't want to go to the gym because I'm a bit worried about looking like a wallet or whatever. No one gives a fuck. Everyone's just worried about whether or not they look stupid. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mick? Uh, don't Any... sniff my strap. No, that's advice you, you are giving. What's the best advice you were ever given? What is the best advice I've ever been given? Um... Come on, you know me, I dish it out all the time. You just tell me to ask other people. <laughs> um, Good advice though, right? Excellent advice. The best advice I've ever been given is by Hannah Dunleavy. She's amazing. <laughs> Everyone should follow her on Twitter. So she <laughs> can, it's your gateway she to my can, judge. That, that Dunleavy, and she can text me at 2am when she's really pleased. <laughs> um, I think my mum was just like super proud of me, even when I hadn't really given her reason to be. And she always just believed in me. And it is a little... It's a cliche, but they're cliches because they're grounded in truth. And it's like, if you believe you can do it, you can. I mean, there are certain things that that doesn't apply to. And I have the scars to show for it. <laughs> but I think it is just trying to have that bit of self-belief, even when you just want to lie on the floor with your legs in the air and make yourself laugh. Yeah, Great. I don't think I could win a Grammy. Jen, I don't think you could win a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unlikely, but I think Janet believes that you could. I think you could. Oh, thanks, Janet. And I think, I think it would all distill back to this conversation where we said, I remember then she said. Oh, yeah. so oh thank you. In I my acceptance never, speech. Yeah, she said, yeah. Exactly. And I remember her saying, she said, I can't win the Grammy. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Two, two Grammy. Wow. <laughs> Up in the alley. For your best-selling album, Don't Shit Where You Eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a catchy title. No. Sounds quite David Attenborough, really. Uh, I bet he shits where he eats. He's apt to, surely. <laughs> Let's not think about it, because it's like the Queen, isn't it? He's David Attenborough, so... I bet she has as well. Yeah, but... Okay. Has she? Has she actually goes, oh, wow. 
Do you think she has someone to take it out of her? Yeah. <laughs> a, no- a night stallman yeah. is what they were called. Yeah. Yeah, in the old days, a night stallman. It was a really important position in the old days because you literally got one-on-one time with the king I mean, a but while they were shitting. Yeah. So, yeah. Isn't that, is that where the Privy Council comes from? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Have made that up? Apparently as well, that. Lyndon B. Johnson didn't like wasting any time at all. So when he needed to shit, he used to take the whole cabinet into the toilet with him and they would all be sitting writing notes and he would just be sitting having a poo. I genuinely thought you were about to say he did like a Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just went wherever he was. Well, probably. Can you imagine just looking at your watch going, come on, Jeff, time to scoop out the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Someone with anxiety, just the, the level of time it takes me to poo has just never been anything that's impinged on my life. <laughs> it's very quick. Just just be more anxious about stuff and then you can fit so much more time yeah. in the day. Anxiety and proper coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you barely know you're doing it. <laughs> has everybody answered that question? Did I ask everybody? No, what, what's the best advice you've been given? Um, uh, the boss. Sarah Millican told me always to bring a change of clothes. If I couldn't eat without spilling my food down my top, maybe I should always have another top. And that's turned out to be super handy. Um, that's why your mother keeps buying you clothes. Yeah. Oh my Jen, God. Jen gave me a donut the other day. Say you've never lived and, until you watched Unleavy, a damn donut. And, and I was like, wowza, 75% of it is down my arm. And the other 25% is on a lanyard that belongs to somebody else that they have lent me. And it's now covered in jam. Yeah. My dad also had one universal piece of advice, which actually I think, whatever the situation, you come home and you'd be like, Dad. You know, this has happened, and it was the same advice every time, and 50% of the time it's really useful, and the other 50 not so much. And his advice was always, why don't you just tell him to fuck off? (laughs) For absolutely everything. And sometimes you go, you're right, Dad. And other times you think, I'm going to go and ask (laughs) Mum. Maybe she'll have something useful to say here. Um, We've probably only got time for one quick question, like a quick-fire one. So I'm going to go with what is your weirdest habit, the thing that you do when no one else is watching. And I'm going to start with Laura. Um, I like to eat OXO cubes, just dry. Wowzers. <laughs> How no is that No wonder you don't you take shit. much time to shit. <laughs> literally just be gravy (laughs) how did you even discover that my mum used to put them in my lunchbox I don't know I guess I must have just nicked one from the cupboard at some point and started eating it I don't know well I always liked you know in gravy if you even stirred it probably you get the little slugs in it I used to really love those and then I guess that's a gateway (laughs) I really yeah, like them. Somebody used to squash an oxo cube onto a spoon and then lick it like a lump. Yeah, yeah, like a salt lick. Yeah. It's great. Sprinkle some of it on a green apple. That's delicious. I mean, I'm making appalled faces, but I used to eat smash, you know, the dried mashed potato, straight out of the packet, then drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a method to your madness. You know. yeah. It tastes like we, it's just powder. Like really, really old crisps. Uh, My sister used to eat raw spaghetti. 
but th- like not in yeah. in just walk around with it like it was like a cheese stick and eat raw spaghetti but I mean she didn't do anything to like heat it up inside her it was just raw <laughs> spaghetti we did once eat a load of frozen sausages once and I don't oh, know why no. yeah I mean we were little I like eating that fresh tortellini just oh, yeah, uncooked. Just, yeah, that's that's quite nice. Yeah, that's I like good. eating chicken bones, the whole thing, like the marrow. Oh. The <laughs> What's wrong with that? Just Laura's little. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, you know, obviously, if it's a family meal, I wouldn't do it in a restaurant. It's only the next table. But uh, the family, I said, give me, give me those bones because they're not done yet. And they go, yeah, they are. No, 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 no. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you when they're really clean. Janet, I believe in you and I think you should start doing it in restaurants. <laughs> are you are you done with those? Are you done with those? No, 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 no. Just make sure you have a clean top with you. Yeah. Uh, what is your weirdest habit apart from the chicken bones? Obviously I have none. Um, but annoying habit, I can go with annoying in that I harmonise one third of our to everything I am listening to, which is fine. I love doing it. I, I think it's a gift to myself. But I can just thinking, just leave this song alone. It doesn't need you to do that, but I can't help myself. Jen's trying to work out how to get it into her album. <laughs> <laughs> Always thinking. <laughs> What's your weirdest habit, Jen? Sometimes I like to think about acceptance speeches for things like Grammys that I might win. <laughs> Who I'd like to thank. Now Janet's in the mix, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Janet and Jen, you, that's like the feminist version of those old Janet and John books. Yeah. That could be the theme of your album. It's not going to yeah. stop people thinking they're lesbians, though, is it? No. <laughs> my, my husband's name is John. And so a certain, a certain age of people, when we say, oh, it's Janet and John, they go, oh, my God. Everybody else goes, why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> Someone over here did a proper <laughs> laugh at it, though. That was a great laugh. <laughs> Sophie once found a Janet and John book at a jumble sale and bought it home because she'd never seen one before. And she went, "Look, your name is on the book." Yeah. I said, "Yeah, that's how I learnt to read." Mm. <laughs> I used to love the Terry Wogan in the mornings. Did you ever used to listen to them doing the Janet and John stories? <laughs> God, they used to crack me up. Well, I don't get up in the morning, Laura. They were, they were very limited in their, their, their life terms, really, Janet and John. They didn't do much. They used to go and watch aeroplanes, because that's quite a difficult spell, and buy caps. They were always going to shops to buy caps. And I don't know if any of you have got children, but children's heads grow quite quickly. There's no point in buying them anything that's really fixed size, because by the time you've said the sun's out, it doesn't fit them anymore. So, you know, it was a really frustrating thing. Maybe that's why they had to keep going and buying more caps. I think the parents would have learned. They obviously didn't have any good advice going. (laughs) Well, now that's a good lyric for the the gangster Grammy-winning album. They're going to go and pop a cap in their bag. We've got to call it. Uh, we've got to call time. But I would like to know before we go if you have any recommendations and indeed plugs of where people can see you. And I'm going to start with you, Laura. Um, oh, you're very welcome to come and play with me. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram, Lex Laura, and Twitter, Laura Lex, and Facebook and stuff. Um, I should be touring my show Knee Jerk, so please come and see that. That would be lovely. And um, I just think. Loads of people are really good. Read Sarah's book, How to Be Champion. Follow Jess Foster Q um, and follow The Noise Next Door. Awesome. Hey, Janet. What a charming promotional opportunity. (laughs) My new novel, How It Was, is just out, available wherever you buy your books. Um, And it's amazing. I have read it and it is well good. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming to see us. And please join me in thanking our brilliant guest, Laura Lex. (laughs) 
Janet Ellis, and us, Sandra Nishu, Hannah, Dan, and me. Thanks very much. Standard Issue for all women.